the border outdoors podcast i'm mac i am tim and i'm seth uh today's podcast is a little bit different i don't know if you guys have noticed but when we do these podcasts it's usually on like a last spirit of the moment kind of thing and we have a bunch of guys come over (laughs) and we usually have a couple beers beforehand and then as the conversation goes when you guys can hear all all the beer cans clacking (laughs) and by the end um I'm not going to lie, a lot of the times I don't remember what we're talking about like <laughs> at the end of it until like I go through and try to to edit like the background noise and stuff. So Seth said he always wanted to do a coffee podcast. Yeah. yeah. So here we are. And I forgot to put a little uh, Bailey's in my coffee. So <laughs> this will be the most coherent <clears throat> podcast in history. It, it's 6.40 now yes. in the morning on February 27th, and we've been here for... Just shy of an hour chatting, drinking coffee, so it's a good time. We'll be all wound up on caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tim, Tim will be going to take a leak about 12 times in the next hour, so. <laughs> yep. That, and that was a problem, too, is we'd start doing them podcasts, and everyone has to go to the bathroom, so then you're trying to get around everybody to get outside, but then try to <laughs> figure out what's going on with the podcast. It was, I like this. Yep. The sun's just starting to come up now, so. Hopefully it's fun. Hopefully we don't, you know, put people asleep. So grab a coffee and join us. I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Get your coffee going. Let's go. Well, today, it is, since it is February 27th, it's the last, pretty much the last weekend of uh, ice fishing for, unless people that like going out late, late ice for right. panfish. Right. Pan, panfish, uh, pout, eel pout, and um, that's really about all that. Rock bass, <laughs> they're still open. But Are they really? Yeah, I think rock oh. bass is. Not that people target those. Some people do, but whatever. There'll still be a lot of people out now. You know, the, even though the northerns are almost pretty much done, a lot of pan fishing going on. Yep. But, uh, yeah, good. it's kind of it's sad. It I'll, is. I want another batch of pickles, but <laughs> wait till wait till next year. The good news is in this state, if you still have a walleye fix or northern fix, Lake of the Woods, it's like from central Minnesota, it's six hours from here. There you go. And some of the best pike fishing is yet to be had late, late ice up on Lake of the Woods. So Yeah, yeah later March. Yeah. A lot of guys if, go up there, tip up. Fishing. Yeah, that used to be a yearly thing for us. We'd go up there and it's the most fun you'll ever have because you just set out lines of tip-ups and... uh any flay could be a 40-inch plus fish, so. That would be fun. Give it a shot. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Paul, so. our, our, uh, Paul does that. Um, our uncle, my uncle Paul, your brother-in-law, Bro- brother-in-law yep. uh, they go up every year <clears throat> at the end of March. Yep. And I've, I've yet to go up there, t- tip up fishing. Right. Up there. I've gone up there walleye fishing like one of the last weekends in March before. But yep. I, I really want to try that because. It's so much fun. And it's one of those trips where, like, if, if all of a sudden you're like, holy smokes, it's March 27th, and you look at the calendar, you're like, I don't have anything going on this weekend. You can just throw in tip-ups, a grill, a bunch of hot dogs, 
maybe a pop-up house if you even want that. You drive up there, you go out out of uh, Ballard or just any place, find some eight or nine foot deep water, drill some holes and give it a shot. Like sit in your truck and then grill out on the tailgate. It's so much fun. A lot of people come back with sunburn on their face from like yep. the sun beating and shining off the ice. They just get their first sunburn. The, the, the year. worst sunburn I ever saw was my brother. <clears throat> we were up there tip up fishing all day. And all the old timers are putting on sunblock and trying to stay in the shade. And we're just young idiots. He's like, oh, it's so nice that we're literally in t-shirts. Like, it was yep. so beautiful. And uh, the next morning, he comes out of the room and <laughs> he looks just like Squidward from SpongeBob. <laughs> His nose was so swollen. And he just looked like he, uh, how can I say this politely? He looked like he was in a adult video. His face was just covered in pus and slime. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. It was bad. He couldn't even eat his cereal. Like, it hurt to move his mouth. Wow. Like, it was dangerous. Like, he basically got some scarring from it. It was the worst sunburn I ever that? saw. Yeah, wow. it was terrible, man. He, he didn't have a beard, did he? No. Nope. See, there you go. Baby yep. Sunscreen. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> Just need a little bit on the cheek. Yeah, yes. just a little on the cheek, maybe on the nose. The you're nose. good to yeah, you're one, good. Once you get into late February, if you're out there on the ice and it's sunny, sunblock or shield your face because you will get sunburned off the snow and ice. It's crazy. There is nothing better, though, than going out on even now in a, in a few weeks in March, end of March or whatever, and do some pan fishing. When I was working 410s, I went out on Fridays, and I'd just sit out there and drill holes in my T-shirt and jeans, you know, yep. and just sit out, out there all day long. But, yeah, that reflection coming off, you know, you, you, you lose all that snow on the ice. Yes. Yeah, it's it's crazy how bad that sun can get to you. Yeah, it's crazy. I think the biggest kicker with the end of the season this year, because it, it always comes up fast. February is a short month. Before you know it, walleye in northern, you can't chase them anymore. It's always a bummer. But this year, what, the last three or four weeks, we've had, like, sub-zero temps like the highs were negative 20 and then all of a sudden the last seven days we're up to 30s and the season's done so it's kind of like oh look how nice it is go out and fish for five days and now you're done so well yeah and today it's supposed to be like 40 degrees yeah yeah so this is bittersweet too because you have perfect ice out there it's so nice out be awesome to get out there you know this weekend next weekend whatever but still have your pan fish it's fine yep so by the time this airs it's too late of a reminder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but hope you got out the last couple days. Yep. Yeah. It's that's why I, w- I want to go off of. Uh, just kind of sitting here, t- you know, we're talking about ice fishing. You know, this year, what is what's one thing that either you enjoyed that you did something different this year, or what's one thing you wish that you would you know done differently? Like sure, ice fishing wise. Like I'll go first and say, I'm normally not a huge ice fishing guy. Sure. Like I like ice fishing, but I'm not one of them weekend guys or even during the week that I'm going out there every chance I can when it's 40 below all, you know, all that's that crap. Yep. I like going out like, Oh, are we going to go out tip up fishing? We're going to go pan fishing. Okay. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're not drilling a million holes, finding them. I just right. go out there, relax, have a good time, have a couple beers. Yep. I think, the one thing this year is that I didn't get out as much as I wanted to, but also like doing this podcast and listening to um, a couple different other podcasts. Shout out to Patrick Patches Olson of <laughs> Lone Angler. Yeah, dude. Um, I really enjoy his podcast. If anyone hasn't listened to it, he's very like he's knowledgeable. Very 
Like he knows his shit. Yeah, his last few podcasts, he touches on Yule Poet a lot, and yeah. I, I've I've caught them over the years, and they're fun and they're delicious. But you know, never thought of targeting them. But listening to him and some of the guys he has on, I I want to go pulp fishing. I do too, and it's like prime pulp fishing right now. And it's like, oh man, it would be so much fun. I've never heard like people that like you have big the big eel pulp festival, and you know that was on Leech. And people used to go out there and be like a Wii Fest, Windstock, or whatever, like a big music festival for yep. the most part. Yep. And then you always hear about people that are actually fishing for them. And I'm like, I don't know how you fish for, right. for them. Yeah, right. usually you catch them by mistake. Yeah. But yeah. they go out there and I, on his Instagram, he's got videos and stories and all the all the stuff. When they went out, like they were out, I don't know what lake it was, but he's up by like northern Minnesota, Bemidji area. And they're out there when it was like 40 below. Yeah. They're grinding. Yeah. Mac, you turned me on to his podcast, right? When we started doing this one. Yeah. You're like, oh, give this guy a listen. I kind of like it. I, I don't do much with the social media anymore. Like, I got yeah. rid of the Facebook account and stuff. Good for you. But thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud. <laughs> but, dude, out of all the podcasts, <clears throat> excuse me, I listen to, that guy puts out more podcast content. Like, yeah. he, he'll put out two and three episodes in a week. Yep. Like, and, you know, he doesn't make everyone, like, here's the exact topic. Like, for instance, he had a buddy on. I think it was his last podcast. They went Joe Rogan on it. They're, ta- they're talking about aliens and galaxies and like, <laughs> like, uh, 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 what's that drug? Metawaska? Is that it? Anyways, yeah. They were going off. And I was like, dude, this is some trippy stuff, but whatever. It's kind of fun to hear him talk about it, you know? So it, it's a fun podcast. Give it a listen. Yep. I just want to give him a shout out because he, uh, he gave us, well, I wanted to do it anyways, but he gave us, uh, our first actual shout out. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I've talked, you know, I've text messaged with him and emailed and he's just a really nice guy. Yeah. Seems like, a- like any questions I have of, on podcasting or, yep, you know, little tips and stuff here. Yep. It, he's usually like within five minutes. Yeah. Message me. He, he seems like a guy that would align with our attitudes for a lot of stuff. You yeah. know, like yep. he understands the old school. You don't share a lake if you're asked not to, but he, he's also wants people to get into this kind of stuff so he yeah. shares a lot of information so. yeah and I, I gave him a listen yesterday for the first time because uh mac had sent me the um little video of his shout out to oh, us yeah. and I, I have to do my due diligence listen to this guy and yeah i started into it i'll, I'll listen to more yep you know yep and again he puts out so much different stuff that anybody that pretends every podcast you put out gold yeah you're, it's it's not gonna happen no, so no. like he, he'll have topics just like we do that people don't care about but Find one you like. Yeah. It's all for fun. I find now I can't listen to radio anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> I got to listen to something podcasts. else. Podcasts yep. and yeah. Yeah. But to, to go back on what I was saying quick is the one thing about this ice fishing season is it makes me want to do like more research slash more, be more knowledgeable on things. Sure. Like, I guess if you kind of catch what I'm saying. Like I wanted to get out more. Didn't really get out. I think that was kind of my own fault for being lazy. Sure. Because I was cold. <laughs> but, like, I just, it makes me want to get back ramped up into it. Like, right. I want to go, like, we've talked about Lake of the, a couple of Lake of the Woods uh, trips that we want to take where you go out and snowmobile and yep. do a camp and just grind it out. Like, I, I feel like I want to have, like, a real grind weekend. Right. At least once every season, regardless of if you're hunt, ice fishing. Mm-hmm. Or turkey hunting or deer hunt. Like I wanna you wanna have that good grind, something to look right. back on. Yeah, I would say one positive for me this year was, you know, with the kids and stuff, I 
I save my uh, my uh, wife points for hunting season most of the time. So I don't I don't push too many battles for ice fishing time yet. But when I did get out, I was successful. I got out for my spear fishing, my walleye fishing, and my pan fishing, and I brought home fish every time. Which when I go out. And when she lets me go out, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, hey, try to bring something home for supper, right? So yep. normally I don't care if I keep fish, but it's nice to bring home, feed the family, all that stuff. So that was one perk is I made them count and I was successful when I did get out. So, But as usual, more time would always be better. Yeah, one of the things I did differently this year is we went back to more kind of the physical aspect of ice fishing where we're doing a lot of walking out on the you know when the ice was a little still a little sketchy but fairly safe um i got kind of lazy with the wheelhouse to where i just kind of wait until the ice was in the right condition where i get my wheelhouse out and a lot of times i just go to a spot that's kind of uh uh something that that i recognize or know a little bit about and i just once i set my house down i drill my holes i'm there for the day if i catch anything great if i don't whatever yep um, but now this year, um, Mac and I, we went out a couple times and, you know, we, we went out to where it was places where we had to do some walking, you know, we're walking out quarter mile, maybe more, I don't know. Yep. And, uh, through some deeper snow and slush, things like that. So we put in a little bit of work, but it paid off in the end. You know, we had some great fishing. It was fun. Um, so yeah, kind of going back to what I used to do, uh, before the wheelhouse came along. Yeah. It's, and you feel it sucks dragging your sled. Uh, one tip I have for everybody, if you do go, you know, even like now, if there's a lot of snow and if you don't bow hunt, or even if you do bring your bow hunting harness, put that on, put like a carabiner on the back with the rope and pull your sled out that way because it, world it, of difference. it, it makes a world of difference. Just the different pressure points. You can just keep going. If you had some sticks that you could stab in the ground, Yep. it's just a nice, easy walk. <laughs> you don't have to have your arm dragging back and your hand doesn't hurt because you got the rope and you have all this weight yep and if if you don't have a harness like that if you're not a hunter go on any of these uh you know hunter sale sites and stuff because everybody that buys a ladder stand it comes with a cheap one yeah and half the people already have a nice one so they just 10 bucks who wants it go get a cheap one it, it it'll do the job yeah i was jealous watching you walk <laughs> out with that <laughs> hands free um and the, the other funny part is too while we we're out there fishing every time we went out we kept on redesigning your sled saying oh we need to add this so we need to put some stuff here some rod bag holders and all this kind of stuff we got kind of excited into it and all of a sudden we got better ice and stopped going walking out and uh but yeah we should have just stuck with it and just kept on going i think we would have had some really nice equipment to get out there um but it just never happened wasn't in the cards this year yeah i like that i like those i forgot all about that the what we wanted to do to the I just have an otter sled and an otter house, and you're trying to stack everything in there, and I have, like, a bigger rod bag. You try to stack everything in there, then you hit a bump, and the rod bag falls off. So we ended up stacking everything in there with the heater, and then we'd put, like, a ratchet strap, two ratchet straps over the top to hold everything tight. But, like, when you get into that some of that deeper snow, you see Scott posted a video or a picture way, way early ice how they have like those wood toboggan sleds yeah. with like skis on the bottom. Yep. And he said they go, th- I was talking to Scott about them. He said they go through the uh, snow really well, but they're fucking heavy. Like they are really heavy. And sometimes that heavy is nice too, because you get in a little uneven terrain. Yeah. And it's, it's not going to tip over quite as easy. and It won't get top heavy with all your gear in there either. It just seems like those little 
those little skis would bury and get hung up and like but the old timers everything you see that's how it was designed so must work and you and you see people that make them all over leave it to wisconsin to be 80 years behind in their technology <laughs> <laughs> i was just thinking how it's it's so different like yeah. fishing in minnesota and then fishing i haven't fished in the winter in wisconsin but like you know talking to scott and seeing his videos and pictures like all a lot of people do I can't speak for everybody in Wisconsin, but it seems like they do a lot of just tip-up fishing. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. But like, and they go out every once in a while. I'm sure it's probably pretty similar to people in Minnesota. There's a lot of people that tip-up fish. There's a lot of people that pan fish, walleye. Yep. We, I just only know the people that just tip-up fish. Right. Yep. But. It's fun. I know there's some, some good walleye lakes out there, and I'd really like to go out there and get in on the all these fishing tournaments and stuff that they do out there that. I saw they had that big sturgeon spearing. Oh, wouldn't that be fun to try that? Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to go out there just to go from like house to house and talk to people yeah, and just experience. It'd be so fun to be out there and experience all that. Just people like us. Yeah. Yep. And then the parties at, at the bars in town and oh, all the stories yeah. and like they got the big leaderboard. Whenever one gets speared, they put it up. Everybody cheers and you know, just kind of a, a really cool tradition. So the the one thing, so that will hopefully lead into the rest of this podcast is I think anybody that's outdoors, whether it's the granola side or anything, a season is wrapping up. You no longer, and by the time you hear this podcast, you can no longer go catch a walleye or a pike on a local lake. You got to do some driving. And I don't know about you guys, but anytime, even when squirrel season ends, which is happening as well this weekend, I'm suddenly sad. Like, shoot, I didn't mm-hmm. do enough, didn't get out enough. Now I can't, and I really want to. So now is the time to look at the next season. Yep. What are you going to do this spring? What are you going to regret? in june that you didn't do in march april so that's i like that because every year yeah you're always i wish i did cycles of regret i wish i did that and then you one thing i like i need to do better is all this stuff that you think in your head about you wish you do i'm gonna start like writing it down in a notebook you you should because i i forget about it and then all of a sudden it's every year i'm forgetting the same thing and i'm regretting the same thing there's your new bucket list actually written down yeah yeah Yeah. so it's like start laying that stuff out these are my goals for the ice fishing next year, and I wrote them. In, yep, you know, March, March first. Every everybody thinks if you're a fisherman or, or even a hunter, you're like, oh, it's done now, not till fall. I can't wait till fall. But guess what? You've got conservation work you can do. You can mm-hmm. be building duck houses because in in a month you should be having those things out ready. In a month, those things could start coming back. Um, you've got uh, fundraisers, DU Pheasant Forever banquets. They have all that stuff coming up here in the spring. You've got Late ice uh, up at Lake of the Woods, so you still could do ice fishing for pike and walleye. And then um, there's these birds out there, that little dinosaurs called turkeys. Oh, yeah. So that'll be coming up here real soon. That's so, uh, a- I said April? April 15th yep. is opener for turkey. And I am I think I'm going to try it for the first time this year with the bull. I'm going to try turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. But to get back on what Seth was saying, we have a guy here, Seth. <laughs> who is very involved in Ducks Unlimited. Yep. Um, is it just the, is it, are you like central Minnesota or is it like? Yeah, so so my chapter is Buffalo, Minnesota's Ducks Unlimited chapter. So. Um, how, f- how far, like, do you have like a zone that you guys do? Yeah, so or? generally they'll, they'll, they'll kind of have a zone. There, there's, a, there's a Monticello chapter as well. Oh, so, really? yeah. Um, so you try not to like, you know. You kind of try to stick to your community. It's the easiest way to communicate. Like, it, it makes the most sense. But um, 
we'll reach out to people out in Howard Lake and all that stuff too, right? Um, we've got people that come up from Savage to our banquets just because they're friends of friends. They know about it, and that's the one they choose to go to. So you got you got the president of Ducks Unlimited, and then you've got all these little officers, and then you've got regional directors. So like there's Central Region, our regional director is Kyle Mumson. He helps all the central chapters, whatever that is, you know, 80 chapters. Um, and then you get into your chapter, Buffalo chapter, and you have like a the local chairman who kind of runs it, tries to keep volunteers coming in to help and organize events, um, earn as much money as you can throughout a year, and, and all that good stuff. So that's just a real simple layout. You can like you can get as involved or not involved as you want. Yeah. Here's where I say start. Go to an event. Do it. Go to an event. There's so much fun. When is when is the the banquet this year? This year, so our banquet, our spring banquet, we usually hold three major events. A spring banquet, a a uh, fall gun bash, and then usually we have a ladies event. Um, with COVID last year, it was kind of weird, obviously, for a lot of this stuff, but we still found ways to have events. Just co- um, just the one year of COVID. Yeah, just, just one this year. last year. The year of COVID, <laughs> yeah. Well, this year, things look better already, yep. right? The vaccine's out and all that stuff. People are less afraid or have already had it. So yep. this year's event is April 12th. Put it on your calendar in Buffalo. So how that's going to work is uh, any day now, it'll be posted online. So you can go to ducks.org and find local events. Go to Minnesota and just scroll for Buffalo Spring Banquet. Um, You sign up and you can do one of two things. You can come there in person if you're comfortable. Come there in person, which I highly recommend because we'll have raffles on site and all that fun stuff. Um, or you can uh, just view it virtually if you just want to have a beer at home and you know watch us talk on camera. You can you can still win all kinds of stuff <clears throat> doing it from home. You can buy raffles and stuff, you know, o- online and whatnot. But uh, it's definitely the most fun if you can go in person. It is a absolute blast. I never did it. Like I've done it the last. It's got to be three or four years. Um, when you see all these people that win stuff at these banquets one person that's got to be the luckiest son of a bitch in the world <laughs> is nick of brotherhood hunting he has won yeti coolers he's won guns wow he's won so much crap and it seems like every year we're at this banquet because all we all sit together so we'll all be sitting there and we're all looking at our numbers and sure shit nick's like the one that wins the big prize like every fucking year Yep. And it, and he's the one, because Seth's working it, so we're all drinking. <laughs> he's up there running around with his head cut off, reading the numbers and all this, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, sh- oh frick, it's Nick. <laughs> oh, Nick, here. I know that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> I sold him the ticket. I sold him the ticket. But it's, it is an absolute blast. It's fun. It is so much fun. I If anyone's interested in doing it, do it. Yeah. and, like, and it, it is so much fun. And I am not just trying to say come to the Buffalo. There's... Yeah. Tons of these. If if you live in northern Minnesota, uh, Bemidji's got a big event coming up. Um, you 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 can find one with within twenty minutes of your place, almost guaranteed. Yeah. At some point throughout the year, keep checking that. Go to one. The banquets are fun. They started doing a lot of these uh bingo nights, which is uh basically they play ten games of bingo. Um, and I'd say it ranges from thirty to fifty bucks to play those games, right? And <clears throat> excuse me, the winner of every game can pick off a board of like twelve guns. You can pick what gun you want. So, and every place does it a little different, but the bingo would be a really easy event to go try. If you like bingo, it's just as much fun as any bingo, only you're playing for, you know, 
outdoor items like guns and things like that or or cash options quite often so give those give those events a try just go to one you'll have fun yeah excuse me i've got no that i've noticed like with the coffee i, I yeah, don't like I got more flam or something yeah like we're, we're gelling up here a little yeah. bit or something <laughs> <laughs> No, I I haven't gone to the Ducks Unlimited ones, um, but I have done a few gun raffles, like say with the uh, uh, Rockford Lions and things like that. It yep. is a lot of fun. Lot I don't win jack shit, but whatever. It's <laughs> Keep it's trying. still fun. I've, Keep trying. I've oh, yeah. yet to win anything. You're all oh, you have my luck then. I'm the only person I think out of all of us that right. has never won something. Here, Ducks here's the good news, and I've done like the calendar like the last two years. Yep, and that's what I wanted to say, not to interrupt you, but nope. what's cool about Ducks Unlimited is. You don't have to duck hunt. Right. Like, it's not super expensive. Like, what What was, I bought the calendar, and what was that, 60 bucks? It's 60 bucks. And you can win a gun every pretty much day every day of the year. Right. We, you have a chance yeah. of a raffle to win yeah. a gun. And then you go to this banquet, which is, fif- is it 50? Or, uh, 60 or, bucks this year. 60 bucks. Yep. And that includes your meal. Yep. And your membership to Ducks Unlimited, and you get sent, you know, the catalog. Right. So the, the membership and- to the use 35 bucks. Yeah. So over half of what you paid is your yearly membership. And then normally we have a meal included built into it, but this year, because we don't know it. how many people are coming okay. in person and not. But if you do, you get a $10 voucher oh, okay. to use on food or drinks while you're there. Oh, it's sweet. at Weekles Event Center in Buffalo there. So we're giving vouchers for those who come in person. And we're assuming a fair amount of people won't come, so we're giving away a lot more door prizes. Oh, so you'll have a chance sweet. to win stuff just for buying your entry ticket. And we usually try to get a gun or two. Yep. Like, we usually try to give away a gun or two on as a door prize. We'll see if we uh, get enough sales for that. But Yeah, it's cool because you get, you get these raffle tickets and you walk around yep. and you see these all these prizes. You just take your ticket and you throw it in the thing. Hmm. Yep. And then when they go through, they literally raffle them off, and anybody can win. It's, yeah, and it's super. It's so much fun. I'm so happy we started doing it because it's not that expensive. Plus, all this stuff, yep, is going to like good right. causes. Right, like they need to do events like this to help uh, the cause, like to manage all these areas. Yeah, like uh, you sent me a thing earlier there. They're doing a lot of work in Minnesota with these wildlife management areas because of fish, evasive species of fish. Right. And they're they're digging out, you know, all the muck or the water levels right. have gone down. They're doing a lot to help the duck population. And, and yes. Every, everywhere. There's up north, in the west, the right. east. They're doing stuff constantly. Exactly. So, DU got started in ni- 1937. So, it's just over 80 years ago. And it was started from... A few guys at a duck camp that noticed the decline in ducks, spe- specifically during the Dust Bowl days, right? Oh, okay. Everything was drying up, and, and they noticed it, uh, even out at their duck camp out, I think, out in New York, right? Um, so, they, they had already uh, – Joseph Knapp and a couple other guys had already noticed this decline and actually been involved with other types of conservation and decided we need to do something specific for waterfowl. And, I mean, you want to talk about guys that had heads on, heads on their shoulders. Right away, they knew, well – most of these ducks are coming from Canada. So we're going to have to be able to spend money in Canada if we want to have breeding and get the ducks down here, right? Yep. So right away they were coming up with what what should we name our <laughs> what should we name our our cause? Let's just call it ducks, right? And then and then as they're talking it through, one of the gentlemen is like, "Well, Joseph, you know in Canada you, you have to be labeled, you know, as a nonprofit, you have to be labeled as a limited." He goes, "Ducks limited?" I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> How about Ducks Unlimited? 
And so that's why it's called Ducks Unlimited because it was going to be started as Ducks oh. Limited in Canada, and that sounds terrible. You want unlimited ducks, so that's right. why it's Ducks Unlimited. Um, so just kind of a fun side note. I, that's where that name came. from. I had no idea. That's how all yeah. it started. That's so, pretty, that's, yeah, if, that's cool. Uh, let's see. 2017 would have been the eight. Go go to ducks.org. They have all their back issues of the magazine. Go to 2017 January February edition. You can pull it up right there. They've got like the story of Ducks Unlimited. I, not even as a DU fan, it's one of the best and funnest little articles on how a company started. Um, a lot of details, a lot of names. And just a, a really good understanding of what the purpose of this place has always been. Everybody hears Ducks Unlimited. They go, oh, well, I'm not a duck hunter. If you see the the millions of acres just in Minnesota that they've conserved, and like, like Mac was saying, it's not just for cattail swamps. It's watersheds and, and CRP and grasslands for nesting, which benefit not only songbirds and deer and fet. Like, it's way more than just ducks at mm-hmm. this point. Um it, it, it's it's clean water. It's 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 all encompassing. Even though ducks is kind of what started it and the the staple in the face of everything. So go to the website and uh, a lot of people like to know. Well, all this money, where does it really go? Yeah, DU yep. has gotten way even better. And and I, I I haven't helped out with a lot of other organizations. I know Pheasants Forever is really good at spending money locally, and it makes sense, right? If you want pheasants, you want them close to home. If well, you can yeah. do it, right? Yep. DU, on the other hand, has never been shy about saying, well, we, in order for ducks to be here in the middle of the country, they need to breed north of us and they need to winter south of us. So there's DU Mexico, DU Canada, and DU the US. Hmm. Uh, a lot of the money and time is spent in Canada because that's the most bang for the buck to breed the ducks. Right. But they spend a ton of money locally. So lo- look up local projects on the website. You can get all kinds of details, what's been done locally. Um, maybe, maybe Matt can share the link or something on Facebook or something at some point here, but, uh, yeah, I can. Yeah. It was just ducks. What was it again? Uh, ducks.org ducks.org. Yeah. We can put that on. We'll put that uh, link with, with the podcast on our, on our, uh, Facebook post on border or Instagram. uh, If you go to any of these events, you'll see a sponsor item. It's like, it's 300 bucks to be a DU sponsor, right? So for our spring banquet, if you sign up to be a sponsor, you get a knife. Which is pretty cool. Yep. And and we have a sponsor board. So for every five sponsors, we give away a nice prize. So you have a one in five chance at winning something. Most of what we give away are guns. And it's not just a two hundred dollar twenty two. Like we give away the shotgun of the year, which is like an eighteen hundred dollar value. Um we give away we're giving away a Traeger grill. And Ooh. yeah, lots lots of nice guns and stuff this year. So if you're up for spending that kind of money, here's the other side of it. You don't win a gun. You don't win something, mm-hmm. and you spent three hundred bucks. Okay, well, I got my membership. That's great, and I got a knife. That's great. But what you should be proud of is that three hundred dollars is an acre. You just saved one acre of land. And is, is that what it is? Three hundred dollars. That's what it is. Now, a lot of people say, "Well, geez, where can you buy an acre for three hundred bucks?" But DU is not just here's some money and pay some guy for land. They have partners, business partners that do match funds, and they can get all kinds of conservation grants with all this legislation that happens. Mm. They've got people that work every angle, and they can turn $300 into prime, a, a prime acre of land with matching grants and funds. They can pretty much triple that money wow. once they have it, and, and you know, with, with little tricks of the trade. So we always call a sponsorship an acre of land. So when you come and you spend 200 bucks on a raffle, mm-hmm. even if you don't win, you, you've almost saved a full acre of land. 
So go into that with with that mentality. Like <laughs> I, you're I, doing work. I go into I go into this banquet, and however much money I spend, I'm not going to say um, <laughs> undisclosed. undisclosed. Everybody's different. Yeah, you, but yeah. I, what I love about doing is every year we talk about the Ducks Unlimited banquet. It comes up multiple times every year. Yep, and I get to give. Seth shit about how I spend so much money at the Ducks Unlimited <laughs> Banquet and I never win anything. Never win, right? <laughs> I yeah. yeah, I. But it, it's not about winning it. Like it's it's all for a good cause. You're helping. Like right. you, you're not just helping ducks. You're helping everything else. Right. It's way more fun to win. Uh, even as a guy oh, that appreciates the cause, I love it when buddies I know have bought a raffle and they win. Like it feels like I won. Like, plus, it makes it easier to sell them a ticket again the next year. Make, so makes for a lot better car ride home. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Well, um, the car ride home is always a little foggy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's no, so, it is absolute blast. Yeah, Seth, I got a couple questions for you on this. Yep. Um, sounds like you're you're pretty heavily involved in uh, Ducks Unlimited. So how? I guess what's your position in there? Is this like a um, what's the behind the scenes look like? Sure, with Ducks Unlimited. Is it like a board meeting, things like that going on? It's and pretty then- laid. It's, it's pretty laid back. It's just an entry level volunteer. You're not paid or anything. Um, your your regional director or your the chair of your chapter will just reach out to you. Use the It all depends how big your chapter is. Ours is relatively small. There's 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 eight to twelve of us that are super active, always there doing the event and. 10 others that are like, oh, call me if you really need help, right? So usually it's, hey, we're going to meet up next Monday. You know, like our event's coming up here in April. We've had two meetings already, and we'll probably have two or three more. And it's like, oh, Monday night at 7, meet us at the bowling alley we, or or on Zoom with all this COVID. It was kind of weird. But um, you meet up, have a couple beers, maybe a burger, and, and you just kind of are planning out your event. Super laid back. I'm not going to lie. Like, like me – in my position, I basically just say, what what, what do you guys have planned? <laughs> they yeah. ask for opinions of everybody, like, do you guys think we should do this or that? But I'm, I'm in a chapter that's pretty well established. They kind of know how they run these events. But uh, last year, that bingo event was brand new t- to uh-huh. us. And so they they ran all that. And it was like, well, let's try this and try that. Um, so it, it, it's pretty low work if you don't have the time. You know what I mean? Like we've got guys right. that don't come to any of the meetings, but then the day of the event, they'll come and help sell raffles and stuff like that. It's fun. I mean, it, I I couldn't. I as fun as it is to be at the event and have the beers, I have just as much fun running the games, selling the tickets, talking to everybody, and stuff like that. So, so. It, it sounds like you kind of the more work you put into it, the more you get out of it. So if if you yeah, don't want to put a lot of work into going to these meetings every week because you have kids or you right, know whatever right. people get busy. Yep. But yet you can still be involved in the little things. Hey, we need you to pick up this. Or- yeah. And and I don't I don't make every meeting, but I try because it's it's a ton of fun. Um, well, it's yeah. just like doing this. Yeah. A bunch of guys together drink beer and you yep. guys probably realistically talk about this stuff for like an hour, mm-hmm. and then after that you guys are just BSing. Uh, yeah. Other <laughs> items, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But it it's just another way to grow. See other opinions, make new friends. Yep. Right. Network, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. Since since then, I've, I've met a couple guys. Uh, Mike Davis. He's a newer guy to our chapter. He works for Clam. Oh. Super nice guy. I never would have met that guy if it wasn't for Du. And the way that came about is he was at our events all the time. I was like, oh hey Mike, good to see you again, right? And then one day after the event, that's how I got started. He just came up to me. He's like, hey, seems like a lot of fun. Like, can I volunteer? Yeah, man. Give us your name and number or your phone number. We'll, we'll call you up. And so now he comes to meetings and he helps plan and run games and 
it's it's a ton of fun. So it, and it's not a commitment. You you can try you know get a hold of your chapter. Say you'd like to like to volunteer. They'll have you come to a meeting or two and maybe help run an event. And if you like it, you just keep doing it. If you and don't, if you, you, if can you just... don't, you just say, "Hey, you know, I'd rather just participate instead of work it." Nobody's upset. Like they're like, "Hey, thanks, thanks for your service for the last couple months or whatever it is." Yeah, it's and again, every chapter is different. Our, ours between all of our events, it's probably fifteen Mondays a year that we meet up, and then three to four days of the event. So, like, it's it's not that much of a time commitment. You know, for me, and and a couple meetings on a, a couple hours on a Monday is not a big deal for most people, or whenever you decide to meet. Yeah. Um. And and in relation to that, so if you've got any questions, you can call me, um, or email me, Seth Wilkes at hotmail dot com, or my phone number seven six three four seven seven two three two eight. How if do you've you got uh, any questions? So Seth, and then how how do you spell spell your last name? Sure, Seth Wilkes W I L K E S. Okay. Yep. So give me a shout if you're interested in anything specifically related to the Buffalo area, the Buffalo events, stuff like that. Um, otherwise, the if you're in northern Minnesota or southern Minnesota or Alexandria or wherever, um, our regional director is Kyle Momsen, uh, M-O-M-S-E-N. His phone number is 952-406-0511. Um, give him a call. If you're like, hey, I want to volunteer or got questions about how events are run or like he'll he'll answer all your questions in way more detail than me. He gets paid, so he should be better at it. <laughs> <laughs> right, you have a lot awful lot of detail already, so <laughs> yeah. good to, information. To kind of wrap up the Ducks Unlimited, we have a big ticket item here. Yeah, let's give something away here. Yeah, let's give something away. I'll so, let uh, Seth kind of explain it a little bit, but we're going to do our first Border Outdoors giveaway. Yep, so here's the deal. Uh we do a pre-sale raffle every year. Here's basically how it works. We have 200 raffle tickets, and we sell them. And then we draw two names out of those 200. The first name gets their choice off a sportsman's banner. Long story short, it's basically your choice between one of 15 different guns, pistols, ARs, shotguns, rifles, or $500 gift cards to reeds or just a visa or cash. There's a trapper's landing trip for, Lake, uh, for Leech Lake on there. Two nights, uh, day boat rental, I think. Um, anyways, you get to pick one of those items if you win. That's the first name we draw. The second name we draw is for a Yeti cooler. So, uh, two years ago, yeah, two years ago, I sold about thirty of those tickets to some coworkers, and guess who? Nick Jacobs with uh, the Brotherhood there. He won the first. The first name drawn was him, so he got to pick off the sportsman's banner. And then my coworker Andy drew the set. We drew his name second, so he got a Yeti cooler. So it was pretty awesome that I, you know, sold the two winning tickets. So, anyways, back to the giveaway. Yep. I have pre-bought two tickets, and I'm going to give them away as long as you do uh, do something for a border here. So, Kenny, what do you want them to do? I think if if they like uh, like like border on Facebook, and then on the the actual Facebook post that we put with this podcast, if you share it. And also comment on the Facebook post. Yeah. Just comment hashtag border or well, we can, anything really, I'm right? I'm trying to think. Hashtag, uh, what, do we, what should we do? Let's do something fun. We can I, do whatever we want. I don't know. Hashtag ducks. I was, that, I was yeah. thinking hashtag, hashtag ducks. ducks on the border page. And that'll, that'll get you into the raffle. The, well, yeah, we'll, the we'll drawings just, for the raffle tickets. We'll write everyone's name. 
if you want, you guys can let us know. We'll just, we can do it live. Yeah, do a live drawing. We can do, a, maybe we can do a Facebook live. We'll do a live drawing. We'll put everyone's name in a hat and we'll just pull the name out and then. Yep, you get one of the raffle tickets. So yeah. I'll fill them out for you. If, if we do draw your name, we'll, we'll, we'll track down your phone number. Mm-hmm. We'll, Kenny will reach out to yeah, you we'll, here. We'll get a hold of you. Yeah. So might, might get a chance at a nice prize just for uh, doing a little clicking on the Facebook. Pretty easy. You yeah. might want to come home with a brand new pistol AR or, or take your wife up for a fishing trip on leech. Yeah. Or your buddy. Yeah. Like. Yeah. If, yeah. Whatever you want to do, it's, I'm going to win it one of these times. Yeah. I'm uh, going to win something. Maybe a fishing hook or something. Right? You're due. I'm pretty You're sure. You're due. <laughs> I should. I should just go buy stuff from somebody else besides you. <laughs> <laughs> well, put it this way. So last year for this uh, pre-event raffle, um, my my brother, who is cheap, that sucker <laughs> never buy. He won't buy a $10 raffle ticket from tight, me. Tight wad, huh? Oh, so tight. <laughs> and like I give him so much grief for it. Well, he had helped me with something one day, and I had just three or four of these raffles left. I was like, oh, whatever. I'll buy him a $10 raffle ticket. Cheap, cheap bastard. Never Never supports the Ducks. So I bought him one raffle ticket, and that fricker won. <laughs> so the raffle, yeah, he won the raffle. Yeah. I wasn't even there when they drew it. I, I turned in all my tickets, and uh, and uh, Jesse, one of the main guys there, he he drew the ticket. And I was he had me on the phone because I like to hear who wins. Yep. He's like, Austin Wilkes, do you know him? I was like, that mother effer. <laughs> so I called my brother. He didn't even know I put a ticket in for him. I was like, I just started the conversation with, you cheap bastard. I was like, this is why you need to support the Ducks. What? I was like, you want to buy a $10 raffle ticket? He goes, no. I was like, well, I already bought you one, and you freaking won. And he was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. So the next time the raffle comes up, there's a $20 raffle. I was like, hey, dude, do you want to buy one? He's like, no, I already won my gun. <laughs> oh, I was like, he's the worst. You're going to buy me a ticket anyway. Uh, so exactly. Why buy one? Exactly. Never I was going to say, I'm now, you want to buy me a ticket? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you, can buy, you can just fill out, you just pay for it, and then if you pay for everything for me. Yes. And then if, I, and then if, I win. I'll just take the gun. Yeah, it's it's the it's the luck of the draw. So, oh hey, another shout out to uh your buddy David Field. Oh he, yeah, um, I put out a little APB for hey, I got these raffles, and that sucker sold so many raffles to his coworkers and stuff. And he's just like let me know the names and collecting the money. So he's not even a volunteer, and he just did like twenty five percent of the work for this raffle. Like it, it was unbelievable what he was able to sell. So shout out to him. And again, even if you're not on the chapter, you can still help out anybody you know that's with the U. Oh, yeah, and you don't even have to be there. Like, when, when the raffle is, when they do the raffle, you don't have to be present because nope. well, Dave, he lives in, he lives in North Dakota, up right. by Grand Forks. Yep. And all his co-workers, they work, obviously live and work up there too. Exactly. And then we're, you know, six hours away. Yeah. So, yeah, no need to be present. The only time, like going to the banquet, we have lots of raffles on the spot. Yeah. That's we'll sell fun. out a little raffle here and there live in person. So if you're not there, you won't be able to participate in those. But any of these pre-sale raffles, anything you're getting online, we'll track you down. You don't have to be present. You're, you're, you're good to go. So just to wrap up the DU talk. Actually, I want to talk oh, about one thing real yeah. quick about your raffle uh, at the or at the banquet. Um, before I forget, they do a live auction. Yes. And they have some prizes. Yeah. That go for cheap. Cheap. Uh, Reese, uh, who we work with, bid on a Trapper's Landing. No, uh, Lake Cabot. Cabot- oh, oh Lake, Lake uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Lake Cabotogum. Uh, yeah, whatever. that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even pronounce that. Black- <laughs> <laughs> but he bid on that, and I think he said it was 500 bucks. Yeah. And it's a four 
four day, four person with a boat slip. Yeah. For ca- yeah. and that's all lodging, everything. All lodging and everything. It's all easily over a thousand dollars. He got it boat. for five hundred bucks. Wow, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. So oh. is that like a silent auction then? Yeah. So I'm, it's glad live. You, I'm glad you mentioned this. So uh, in a normal year, we'd have all that live at the event, and we'll still have silent auction items there, right? You can you, you can see what the price is. You bid on it. Hopefully, you get it. The other thing we start doing is uh, for this event, it's on the 12th, four days prior to the event. There's an online auction that'll open. You'll be able to find the link if you look it up. Um, there's an online auction that's open and you can go on there and bid for all kinds of stuff, uh, including these trips. And that's how Reese got that trip last spring. It was an online auction and he got it for 500 freaking bucks. Yeah. Steal of a deal, right? And you usually have like a two year window to use it. They're really good about these places that donate trips to us and stuff. Like most of them know that if they give away a trip, that person's coming back. Oh with yeah. Buddies. Like it, it, it pays off for them to give us trips. There's a, there's an Argentina dove hunt. I was going to say, didn't they give away an Argentina like duck yeah. hunt or something? Yeah, you can bid on it, and a guy got it for twenty one hundred bucks, and you're probably like, "Woo, whoa!" But that trip is for four people to Argentina to shoot doves for I want to say four days. Um, basically, he got the, the the package for two grand, and it's well over seven grand the value. Now you still got to buy your plane ticket. There's there's other logistics and stuff, but if you're looking for a fun once in this lifetime trip, you can land those things for dirt cheap at these events. So it, it can be a lot of fun. The other thing with that online auction, there's there's everything, right? The go on there, scroll. You can bid on guns and all kinds of stuff. One fun thing is we're giving away. I'm I'm pumped about this because everybody loves a gun. Yep. But if you're an outdoorsman, what's the hardest thing to find right now? Ammo. A- ammunition, yeah. right? So uh Reeds is one of DU's partners. Please support Reeds as much as you can. They Gave us an opportunity to lock down a, a couple cases of five, five, six rounds. Oh. So I, I forget how many <laughs> that's, boxes. That's twenty gold. Twenty. Yeah. I think it's twenty five boxes of twenty rounds of five, five, six. And then why uh, so arms? Anyways, they they uh, partnered with us to give us a uh, a good deal on an AR uh, AR fifteen five, five, six. So we're gonna have whatever it is twelve hat. I think it's twelve or fifteen hats that you can bid on, right? You go and bid on the hat, and if you're the winning, uh, so one through fifteen, let's just say, you you win hat number seven. Okay, so you spent X amount of dollars for that hat, big deal, right? But for all fifteen winning bidders, you're entered into a a drawing, one in fifteen chance at this AR and the case of ammunition. Oh. So like you're talking big money, big prize. You're ready to go to the range right there. Yeah. So go on and look at that stuff. It's super super fun. The other fun thing about that online auction is. Let's say you go and you bid, whatever, 20 bucks for some knife, and then you get outbid, right? Just for bidding, you're entered, anybody who bids, and every time you bid, you're entered into a drawing for a gun. So we give away a gun just to people that bid, whether you won the bid or not. So go on there and bid on stuff. Have some fun. You can do it all from your laptop. It's it's a good time. Again, how can you not win something? Holy, yeah, right? I know. Yeah, yeah, it sure feels like so it, right? Stuff. So yeah. there, there's a lot of things going on with, with this spring banquet. Like I said, it, this will air on Tuesday the yep. 2nd or something. Uh, yeah. It'll um, probably be online by then. But if not, keep checking it. Buffalo Spring Banquet. That'll answer most of your questions. If you got any more questions, call me or call Kyle. And uh, it'll be a good time. So Yeah, it it is so much fun. I can't emphasize that. Yeah. It is an absolute blast. And it goes everything goes for a good cause. Yep. To move on. So now that 
we uh, we talked a little ice fishing. We talked about Ducks Unlimited for I learned a lot of sh- like I am part of Ducks Unlimited. I've been doing it for four years, and I just learned a shit ton of stuff. Listening yeah, you to me stuff. both. Yeah, and there's yeah, a lot like, more. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's fun. Just get involved. You'll see. It's fun. Yeah, I might actually think about here just volunteering just to, to try yeah. something new. Heck like yeah. you said, you can meet new people. Yeah, it's not a lifetime that. commitment. People come and go. As they, uh, when I started, one of the guys had been with the chapter for four years. Then he he had twins, and he's like, "I'm out." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "I'm done. I'll come back someday." But uh, for now, I got my hands full. So yeah. So then now it's kind of the point where, like Seth said earlier, what do you what are we doing now? What are we doing now? Right? Uh, it's, snow is starting to melt, starting to get warmer out. It makes me itchy to try new things. And luckily, I have a buddy named Zach who shed hunts. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, I want to get try to get him on the podcast to get him to shed hunt because he just got a new dog, Remy. Went and got it trained for shed hunting. And that's – all you do is walk around. Not, it is just walking around. But shed hunting is probably the most underrated tool for a deer hunter. Yeah, and I I don't even mean finding sheds. Okay, face it, most of us are hunting public lands. We're probably not going to find a 180 inch match pair of sheds. But the public land I hunt north of Big Lake, there, I've learned more from it spring shed hunting than probably in the fall. Because when you're going out and the, the snow's melting, you're finding so many beds and browsing areas and the tracks, like the the beat down cow paths. You're like, holy crap, they are here. But up there, it's a lot of pines and needles. It's it's hard to really distinguish certain trails but when you still have some snow on the ground it it it's like a road map so get out there walk around look for sheds but look for your fall hunting spots and some of that sign and where they might be uh rubs i mean all that sign's still there to see so it's a huge tool and it's good exercise who doesn't want to get out and walk around when it finally hits 40 have you ever shed hunt for you guys i haven't no you know, we we spend some times out in the woods, you know, cutting wood down once in a once in a while and stuff like that. But yeah, I've never really, you know, we we have our eyes peeled for it, but never yep. really went out just for that shed hunting. And I know I've I know a lot of people that do it, and it does sound like you know obviously good exercise. It is. I just yeah, I mean, we never went out and and uh, purposely shed hunted before. It's it's a ton of fun, and like you're not you can trail walk if depending on where you're going. But like me, I take the dog out. He run he thinks we're hunting, so he's running around having a blast. Mm-hmm. It. It's a ton of fun. Well, yeah, you don't have to be quiet. No. You're, you're, you're essentially just scouting to find out where you're going to go next year. Right, exactly. It, so, it would be interesting to find out what it takes to train a dog for shed hunting, though. You know, because you're not training them for, for bird hunting, obviously. Right. It's just, just for that shed, I suppose. It's a lot of the dealing with the scents, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I can't I can't tell you for sure. Um, he'll he'll probably be able – he'll obviously be able to explain a little more, but I think it, a lot of it's um, – just like training other dogs, a lot of obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, I as far as how they train them, it, I have no it's, clue. It's legitimately comes yeah. down to scent. Yeah, it blows me away that I everybody knows a dog's nose is good, but the idea that they can actually scent a piece of bone. Yeah, just a big part of it comes down to that, and then they train their eyes and all that stuff. Well, it's not really like they can get on a track or a trail right. to smell that bone that the right. Antlers because they they just fall off, so yep. it's not like they're dragging on the ground for a while and right. they're going to track it down. They're just going right. to find it in that one spot. Yeah, and <laughs> anybody who knows, like your set of eyes and the path you walk, you you have a limited tunnel that you're covering. That dog's zigging and zagging yep. up and down. If you have a dog that can do it, you will increase your numbers for sure. It's, it's almost like uh, the dog 
like you're talking about how it's zigging and zagging. It's almost like, oh, I'm, I'm here. Oh, piece of candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, piece of candy. Uh, maybe, maybe find a dog with Tretz or something. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, my, my dogs, I never try, try to train yeah. them for sheds. I don't expect it from them. But my dog's a poop eater. So, like, I got to watch him. and makes like, if he's putting his nose to the ground, I'm like, okay, either he's into something or he's eating shit again. So, yeah, I try to keep him relatively close so he's not getting worms all the time. But. I always wondered how much do you have to feed a dog that's a poop eater because you think they'd be kind of right? efficient, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, you're a human centipede. <laughs> uh, so now it's kind of you're looking forward at what what you're gonna do next. Yep. You can boundary waters is obviously huge. Uh, we're trying to line up uh, badass Ross. Yeah. Who goes up uh, he's there? He's okay. He's yeah. okay. Who goes up there <laughs> all the time? I think he's up there this weekend doing a. Yeah, he's a winter camping up there this year and everything. Yeah, he went back. They went back up there again, and they're renting one of those igloo tents with a wood stove, and they, they, they do. They go like they, yeah. they snowshoe miles and miles because they don't want to be around anybody. Yep, their goal is to not see anybody the whole time they're there. That, that makes it worth it, and it's doable. Yeah. That's why people love yeah. it up there. And then all, from Boundary Waters, you have just. Before we know it, it's going to be fishing openers, so it's going to yep. be open water. You can still pan fish. That's one thing I really want to try is try to get the boat out before opener, get all the bugs out, yep. go crappie, some fishing, you know, try all that stuff. But then also you're winding down on, for people that really enjoy doing this, and it's one thing that I really want to get into the next couple of years is hunting out west. There's a lot of things that you need to know about uh when you have to put your permit in or to yep. apply for that, your preference points, what areas, and I'm not a professional, I hardly know anything about it. It's You just got to look up your information and reading it. You have to read right. like four times because you get confused. There's a lot. Any Anybody that hunts in Minnesota, I think, has gone through when, when they change ways things work. Oh, man, this seems complicated. Yep. Well, if you've ever looked into hunting in a western state, I don't know anybody who the first time they start looking into it go, holy f, this this seems it's it's overwhelming. Yeah. Okay, but I've I've gone out to South Dakota deer hunting and turkey hunting. I've gone out to Wyoming. Uh, I went to Colorado way back in the day elk hunting, and then I'm I've been out to Wyoming antelope hunting, and it's an intimidating endeavor, but it is so doable. And here's the tricky thing: for a lot of that stuff, for a lot of that Western game, you need to be making your moves now or yep. even a month or two ago. Okay, so just for some general practices, if you think you want to do it, first of all, just freaking do it. Like you can talk yourself out of it. Yeah. But start doing the work right now. For instance, uh, state of Wyoming, um, a lot of their elk, uh, not non-resident elk uh, tags and stuff, those deadlines have already passed. There's still over-the-counter options and stuff like that. But most of your drawings and stuff like that have already passed. So if you wanted to elk hunt this fall in Wyoming and have good odds of drawing and all that stuff, you, sh- you should have done it a month ago. But you still got mule deer, antelope, and whitetail tags readily available. I think almost till June here before that closes. Um, and here's here's a quick synopsis of how it works. You go to uh, wgfd.wyo.gov or just Google Wyoming Game and Fish Department. These Western Game and Fish Departments, they know they're complicated. They know more, a lot of their businesses out-of-state people. So they try to do their best to make it a, 
uh, easy enough process to go through. So they'll have a start planning my hunt option and it'll kind of walk you through what you're going to need to do. Here's what I say. Look at it real simple. Back up, say, do I want to hunt out west? Yes. What state do I think I want to hunt? What animal do I think I want to hunt? And then just take that path and stick to it. Don't try to understand the whole state and every animal. Pick one animal, go through it. Well, and you you even hear a lot of people that they're trying to do, they're trying to plan this hunt. So for for people that are able to, I'm going to go this year, there's always, I think, there's a lot of over-the-counter tags for certain things. I think South Dakota. certain states, certain animals, yep. South Dakota, it's, you can go out there and do an over-the-counter. Right. And you can get, for archery season, you can get a deer, one deer, but it can either be a doe or a buck whitetail or a doe or a buck muley. And I know that there's some other, I know Canada is super confusing, like in the <laughs> in the fall with Canada. Can't you like turkey hunt, duck hunt? Like there's so like a like, triple threat license. Yeah, like you can sure. buy one license and you can do all of these things. Right. But for people that are looking out going out there and you want to do a lot of research, Andy Rask he does it every year. Mm-hmm. He goes out elk hunting every year <sighs> on up in Montana. Yep. With his bow, and he's got some good stories. Yeah. He's got some really funny and really stories about the stuff that they do and he will we'll have him come back on and talk about these when it gets a little closer to the season yep but i for people that don't know and and seth you can help or actually i'm just gonna ask you a question what are preference points okay preference points um some states allow you to purchase a preference point usually one a year or if you apply for let's say uh apply for a tag and don't get drawn you earn a preference point so all that really stands for is a preference point will put you into a different category. If you have zero preference points, uh, let's say let's say in Wyoming you want to hunt area 27, a percentage of the tags that can be drawn are with zero to two pe- preference points. So like 10% of the tags given out are to people with zero to two preference points. Or 70% of the tags are three to five preference points. It basically, it's a way to reward the people that have been putting in that work for a few years, give them a higher percentage chance at drawing their license. And there's a few reasons for that. I know it sounds kind of annoying, but when you, if you really dig in and do the research, it's for this reason. It is complicated to go out there and hunt. It is a special thing to go out there and hunt. And if, if you're going to get drawn for these elite areas or elite tags, they want you to be invested yep. to go out there and do it right. It does make sense. I know it can be painful. Like, why can't I just go buy a tag and go? But it's it's a way. There's so many people and only so many miles to hunt. So it's a way of thinning out the hunting pressure, managing the herd, and rewarding the people that are committed to the hunt, right? So that's kind of the idea behind the preference point system. Um, let me so, put it this way. If you're not sure if you want to hunt Wyoming, just buy a preference point. That's, that's, that's the, what I was going to say is a lot of people – they buy preference points for because they're not that expensive, aren't they? Like, like ten bucks, fifteen bucks, it, it twenty depends. bucks. Well, I think Wyoming's for an elk preference point is fifty bucks. Is it? Yep. Okay. So not not cheap, but doable. And uh, by the way, so July first through November second, that's when you can go online. On I'm just talking about Wyoming, yeah. and buy your preference point. Um, and here's the thing: like, let's say you got five preference points, and you put in, you apply for your elk tag or your muley tag. And you you know you've got the it, it tracks it all for you okay it's not old school paper it's all done online um 
you you apply and you don't get drawn, you don't you don't lose those preference points. They stay there. Now, if you get drawn, you used them, you start all over. So, you know, be ready. It, here's the other thing. In Wyoming in particular, I believe if you get drawn, Wyoming or Montana, if you get drawn and you're like, frick, I can't go though. Like it, it didn't work out this year because yep. you're planning so far in advance. Like uh, the baby's born in October and I can't go. Right? <laughs> Something like, just came up. <laughs> you, can, you can return your tag. And and, and, and give it to somebody else, and then do you get not give it to somebody else? I I have or like read, you return their yes the, you, your tag. I can't go. You, I believe you get your preference points back, and you get your money back. But then do with they a penalty fee? They <laughs> must then, draw and then they redraw a name for somebody yep, else. They so. have a secondary draw or whatever for those people that cancel their trip, basically. Well, and that's what's cool is for these people that hunt, um, like Colorado or all these these heavy elk populations, is if you're planning a trip, say with your buddies. And you want to go elk hunting. They have, you know, you have cert- certain zones yep. where you have a better shot of, um, it's like Minnesota. There's certain zones that you go in, like, that have a higher deer population. Right. And the same thing with all these zones. Like, if you're going to plan a trip, say, five years down the road, you could buy preference points for the next four years. And then when you apply that next year for your trip in the fall and you apply in the spring you have a pretty good chance good chance that you're right. gonna draw a tag you're yep. invested because into you're it. invested right. into it yeah. and it, it's i think minnesota kind of does the same thing with their lottery for you know does yeah yeah it's a doe lottery right yeah in certain areas if you put your lottery in, you don't get it well then you have a preference point for next year does is it a preference point system for i the thought tag? i um, yeah i almost thought for it was a preference point so the next year when you apply, you didn't get it last year. So most likely you're going to get a this year. Percentage of those and then if, areas if takes, you oh. if you don't get it that year, then you get it most likely the next year because you definitely can't buy preference points. You here. can't buy them, but you, you have you, to it apply puts you, and they track it. Oh, I did not know that. It puts you in another uh, thing because Mitch and I were when we first started getting back into deer hunting up at, by Park Rapids. It was lottery, so we put in for tags. None of us got it, and then we went to southern minnesota put it in again and didn't get it yep so now technically it's probably gone now but back then it was because we talked to somebody and they said you it's considered preference point in quotation interesting that you will then get it and i never heard that before yeah i could be wrong but that's what i I thought is that you then have a better shot the next year but i could be there's someone out there could be like no you're a fucking idiot (laughs) that's not how it works at all yeah i never like i said i know it's not like a true preference point system but could be because I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to it either. Because right. where we go, it's we've been you know lucky enough to where there's no lottery for the doe tag, right? Yeah, and I, I don't, I just kind of avoid them areas. But for people that have their, I would. It seems like almost every other year, they, they're you didn't get it this year. Sure, you get it next year. Sure, and so uh, on the on the western hunting side of things, you know, it's hard not to just specifically use elk or muley, but mm-hmm. it's all kind of the same, right? You ha- you have to pick your animal, see what the options are. And depending on what western state, the lingo is different. Like so, in in Wyoming, they have they have regions. So like uh, like just to refer to Minnesota, you have zone one hundred and two hundred. That those are those are basically the regions out west. And then you have in Minnesota, you have your hunting area area one eighty four or two sixteen. And out there, those are called areas as well. And then you have seasons, and that's where people really start to get overwhelmed because. The seasons here seem pretty cut and dry. Out there, every area might have a different season. Like like gun season, 
For non-resident gun season for Muley in Area 19 might be October 1st through the 15th, but in Area 29, it might be October 20th through the 30th, right? So you just it's it's all on there. You can find it, but you just need to chip away at this information. So when you apply, do you have to pinpoint the so, time, the, the location? Yeah, so for instance, you, you kind of do a bunch of your legwork, and then so I'm going to try to go muley hunting out there this fall. Okay. So what I did was I am going to apply for a mule a mule deer uh, an antlered mule deer or whitetail tag, and it's a general tag. Okay, and here's what that means: general tag, and then you pick what uh, region. So what larger area am I applying for a general tag? Right. I picked area C, and there's eight. I'm sorry, region C, and then in that there's eight different areas, one one through eight, right? And you got to do your research because three of those areas have tags available for a general antlered mule deer or whitetail tag. So my understanding is if I get drawn, I can hunt in any three of those areas. Luckily, they all three have the same dates, right? They're all October 1st through the 15th. That's your, you can go out there with a gun and you can, it's a general tag. You can use any weapon, but guns allowed that season. And you can hunt technically in any of those three areas if you would like. Now, the other half of the areas don't have that tag, so I can't hunt there. It's up to me to make sure I don't screw that up, hmm. right? Um, and here's the other thing. If you uh, if I do draw that tag, they have what's called a specially, special archery season. All that is is their archery season, which is September 1st through, the, uh, through October, um, or through October 1st or whatever it is. So I could buy an additional archery permit and use my general tag in the archery season. Huh. So you just chip away at this info. It's overwhelming, but you you can do it. Trust me. People don't like the idea of a couple hours of researching for this stuff. Yeah. But it goes by fast. You just start you, you come up with a new question, you go down the rabbit hole, you find it. And here's the other thing. Back back to when I started going out there for antelope and stuff, I had so many questions. And I looked online and I thought I answered, but you know, sometimes you're not sure if you understand things right. I called uh BLM land out there. I called them with a thousand questions. How does this work? Um they they they'll send you any map you want. Free of charge. Oh. So I, I didn't I, I I had about a nine thousand square mile area I thought I wanted to hunt. And so I told her I'm not sure how much public land access are there in there's these areas. She's like, Well, I'll just send you six different region maps. Oh, so she sent me a whole thing of maps. free of charge, super nice. She was telling me about, you know, some of the laws of crossing corner to corner and we'll get into that stuff. But uh BLM was super nice to deal with. Then called uh uh Game and Fish Department and said, Hey, here's what I'm thinking of doing. Does this I'm assuming this is how it works. And they're like, oh, nope. So it actually works like this or it works like that. Or your other option is ABC. Yep. Like all I can say is I never felt like I was bugging them. I never, they never gave me the whole, I'll oh, just go online and figure it out. They said, oh, you can find it online. It's a little confusing, but basically this is it. They actually answered my questions without just trying to send me to another source, which was super helpful. Well, what's nice is that you actually took the time to, you didn't know the, you didn't, you got confused. Right. You didn't know the answer, so you took the adult route, right? And you went and found the number and called someone to right. get the answer. You just didn't go out there. Oh, well, I, you know, something, I something. Millions. What do I do? Something yeah. would have happened out there, and you're breaking the law, right? And they're like, "Well, I didn't understand that, right?" I, you know, everyone uses that excuse. Well, I didn't know. Yep. Do a little research. Find the answer for right. what you're looking for. Do your due diligence. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I've got a bunch of notes here and stuff, and I could ramble through all kinds of different stuff. Like, oh, there's types of licenses, zero, zero, one, two, all the way through nine. And 
we'll just co- go online and do those research. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of blah, blah, blah on the, on the podcast here. But um, just to keep it simple, now's your time to start making your moves, whether it's for this fall or next fall. There's, you, I guarantee you can go out west and hunt an animal this year. And you could do it with archery or a gun. There's a way to do it. Just start doing your digging. I will say Colorado's got your best chance at over-the-counter tags. And they'll, you know, depending on what you go for, those go on sale in June or July. And sometimes you can even drive out there and there's still tags available. But usually there's a limited number, so you're better off buying it right away. And obviously this is all on public land. Yeah. You know, yeah, everything I'm talking about is public land. So there's maps so, out there. You, you know where yeah. you're at and, and yep. where you're going. Okay. Yeah, Wyoming, the majority of the public land, there's there's state land. Um, which you can walk on and hunt on. You can't drive four-wheelers. Then there's BLM. BLM, you can use wheelers and four-wheel drive vehicles on. Um, I, I don't – if I remember right, there's not limitations to where you can drive, but, you know, try to stick to major roads, do less damage and stuff. So – Well, the big the big thing about if – I hope people go out west more. Right. I think it. I think it's something that people need to get out of their comfort zone. A lot of people hunt Minnesota. Yep. You know, obviously – but there's so much other things to be had out there with just the experience here in the mountains. But also, if you go somewhere and you're in the mountains and you're camping or you're staying at a hotel, regardless of what you do, you need to be knowledgeable. Right. Like what we were saying before about asking questions. Like you don't want to get yourself in a rut and you're on the bottom of this mountain and something happens and right. you're screwed. Yeah. You don't yeah, want. Yep. You, you don't want to have to know what you're doing. You don't want to have a search party going for you. No. Walking through this millions of acres of state land in this terrain right so either do some serious research and maybe the first time you go out there you don't get super deep into it right Uh, but or go with somebody that's been there before that's what i was just gonna say try to find a mentor kind of and take you out there it's a great way to do it because i think that's how a lot of the people get into this it kind of just goes from generation to generation to a buddy you there's you're kind of everyone's always going with somebody you you can't it's like deer hunting in minnesota like we talked about with cody nowadays you're not just sending a 12 year old kid out there here you go yeah you're 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 you're, uh hunting with your dad or your parent or or, you know whoever uncle and they're getting you used to what everything is is like same thing with going out west i've never done it i really want to but you got to do a little more research you got to be careful I mean, you see a right. lot of you see a lot of stories of people that are gutting a deer and they the knife slips and they put it through their leg. Right. And now it's you're not within ten minutes of a hospital. Right. You're so in the you, middle of nowhere. Yeah. You got a you first aid alone. Right. So if 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 you've done your homework and you want to try that deep in there kind yeah. of western hunting, go for it. I can't wait to do a, a serious elk hunt like that someday. But I think the biggest thing I learned after going out there for antelope. And I'll, I'll describe how that hunt went here in a minute, but there is so much of a granola factor to hunting out west. Yep. Whether you get an animal or not, just lit- even if you're just driving down the gravel roads and doing like a, a drive style hunt, you are looking at mountains or country you won't see at your home, and it, you feel like you're doing something special through yep. the whole process. Um, so, for instance, you know, I think it was five years back, my mom, who at the time would have been about fifty five. And uh, and then my aunt Margie, who is uh, about ten, 10 years older than her. Well, my mom, we always talk about hunting out west. So it'd be so fun to hunt out west and go antelope hunting or something like that. And and one day, my mom just, I think it was in July, my mom says, we need to just do it or stop talking about it. 
That's that's a huge that, thing. I, I that's anything. my new favorite quote. Yeah, like she said that. I was like, you're right. So r- that day, I started doing research on antelope hunt, and I was like, oh, the the application d- deadline's basically passed. There's still over the counter options if we go out there. Blah 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 blah. So I had I didn't have any kids at the time. So October basically was from the research I did for the area I thought we wanted to hunt, which was all based on two things. Number of tags they were giving away in that region. So therefore, our draw odds were really good without mm-hmm. any preference points or anything. Really good. Um, and amount of public land access. Again, they know that if you're coming from out of state, you're going to need access. They literally have, when, when you're looking through their list of zones, one through 300, they will have it marked with like two stars if it's got hard public land access. So right away, you're like, ooh, that good odds of drawing, but might not have a lot of access to public land in that zone. Um, so they know, they know what you're going to be looking for as an out-of-state hunter. So with all that in mind. So st- step back. Yep. So like you can look at when you're saying the three stars. Yep. So you can look at a map, go to this area. Like, I, I guess I got kind of confused there. Sure. What? Go back on that for a second. Sure. How, how do you, what? No. How do you, how, okay. So uh, <laughs> let, let's, I'm, like, let's, I'm trying to like think about all this. Out West hunting is, it's not like the Midwest. It's not even like North Dakota where you have mile by mile section roads. Right. Okay. You're talking about people that owned that own thousands upon thousands of acres of land. And they might have one private driveway that drives back into the middle of their ranch. And the way BLM, without getting into much detail, when land was bought up back in the day, they call it the, the checkerboard pattern. If you look at a map of public land, you'll see square sections of land that are public, but they're completely landlocked. You can't get there unless you fly in on a helicopter. You can't cross pu- private land to get there. So unless there's a public road or right-of-way access to this public land, you can't use it, right? So in a, let's just say an area the size of Wright County. Okay. You might have 50,000 acres of public land, but only 10,000 is accessible by public right away. Okay. So assuming you don't make buddies with the landowner and get permission to cross, and then you're not going to be able to access most of that public land. So they know that. So if they're giving away 3,000 tags in an area and they know, well, that's X amount of hunters and pretty much only guaranteed to get to X amount of land unless you want to start paying landowners for access. And in the last 10 years, landowners have learned that hunting is a commodity and they charge big money. We talked to a couple ranchers out there, super nice, super nice people. But they're like, yeah, we have a guy that guides on our land and he char- And so for you to get on our land to shoot a doe, it's 700 bucks. It's like, well, holy crap, that's more than the take cost. Mm-hmm. And you only get so much meat off an antelope. Not, not going to happen. And then it goes up if you want to shoot a buck. And they're super nice. They're just telling you the facts. It's what they've worked out. And uh, I'm not saying you couldn't knock on the right door and get permission for this and that, but it it's harder and harder day by day. So I'm sure those uh, public uh, pieces of land that are landlocked by uh, private you know, landowners, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a honey hole for hunting too, yeah. though. Yeah. Absolutely, right? Yeah, it's hard to get to. landowners use it because it's public. Right. But yeah, they can just there. walk right out there. Yeah. So they'll spend all their time hunting their public acres and then hunt their private late season because all the animals get pushed off. Yeah. So you look at a map, you can see that you can kind of tell what roads are what. Um, so here's here's how I did it. Looked at an area. We I knew we wanted to go for antelope. I knew I wanted a buck tag. You can get lots of doe tags. but Antelope, are they actually called buck and does? Yeah, buck really? and does. Yep. So buck and doe antelope. And um, so you can get a either sex tag, which I think at the time was 265 bucks or something like that. And then a doe tag for 40. 
so huh. cheap dote for for out of state license. So what 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 I did, I picked an area because I saw I had lots of public land access for the most part, and going out there with these gals, we weren't going to be packing in three miles. We were going to be driving roads, hoping to see a herd out, maybe a mile make a move, make a stock. It's relatively hilly country and stuff like that. Um, so that was our strategy. Put in for the uh, put in for the areas, all that stuff. The other thing was, since since I missed the, the draw application and I had time and I knew our season would be in October, I said, well, there, there's one of five areas in Wyoming I want to hunt. I'm going to drive out there in October and just scout during hunting season because I wanted to see how, man, how, much, how many hunters are driving up and down these roads mm-hmm. three quarters of the way through season. I was like, it's just like I'm hunting, only I don't have a tag. So we drove, my mom and I drove out there, and you can camp on BLM land. We just brought a tent, some camping gear, and we set up. It was the funnest freaking camping trip I've ever taken. We set up on BLM land on top of this ridge. The sunrises and sunsets were beautiful. Coyotes at night, every star you could see in the sky. Oh, I can only Campfire imagine, yeah. grilling. Ooh. It was so much fun. And then we just spend the days driving all these roads. And once we got out there, yeah, there's roads on the map, but then there's all these oil oil pumps and stuff throughout the country. And it's like, well, are those private or are those public? And we happen to be driving down the gravel road and a game warden's driving. And so we flag him. We're like, hey, he gives me his card. I'm like, okay, these roads, are these public or private? So he told us, oh yeah, you can go down these oil roads. If it's marked, no trespassing. I'd recommend staying off of it, but a lot of times they're not marked. Um, just be aware they're not maintained. So yeah, be they, careful. Yep. The roads out there, when they get wet, they get slimy. So be aware, four-wheel drive's best. Um, so we learned so much from that scouting trip, right? And we saw so many animals and very few hunters and it was like, we can do this. That, that scouting trip that you did, yeah, that must've ramped up like your oh, excitement tenfold, level. Like, tenfold. okay, we're out here now. We just had this awesome experience. You went camping. Yep. That sounds like, yeah, that sounds like a vacation yeah. to go look at and you're glassing, you're scouting. And then now three weeks later, we're going out there. That yeah. had to have been the longest drive from here back out there oh yeah <laughs> it was you just want to get there yeah. but once you get to the black hills you start seeing antelope and then you're just jacked it was about a 14 to 15 hour drive totally worth it um yeah man so we did the we did the pre-scouting which not everybody can do that but again granola side if you think you want to try it go do that so much fun i like the idea of the scouting trip though so because that's fun. gonna basically tell you whether or not this is for me yep Yep. You know, once you get out there, you, you drive around, you find these areas and yeah, either if either you're going to walk away out there, you're going to be excited to come back and hunt yep. or you're going to say, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. So instead of investing in the uh, the lottery and the tags and mm-hmm. things like that, sounds like a good way to, you know, just kind of educate yeah. yourself and know what you're getting yourself into. We got a really good I feel like for it. We got out and walked around like, hey, you're going to be able to physically do this and stuff. Like it was so much fun. Saw country we'd never see. Talked to all kinds of good people. And the other thing is we brought our guns because technically speaking, there might have been over-the-counter doe tags and stuff like that. And they, there weren't for the areas we wanted to hunt in. But we thought we were going to want to go to one zone or one area. And by the time we scouted, we're like, no, we're going to this one. The access was easier, variety of land, and we saw the most animals. So that's what we went with. Long story short, fast forward to the next year, bring them out there. Uh, it, was, it was a seven-day hunting trip. Um, Day two, I shot a doe. Um, day three, my mom shot her doe. My aunt was bow hunting. She didn't really? have a very good chance, right? So yeah. she knew that, but she so she never filled any of her tags bow hunting. And then day four, afternoon of day four. So you got more than one tag? 
Yeah, so we uh, when we applied, we apl- you can apply for a doe tag right away and uh, either sex tag. So we did, and we drew we drew them both right away. So you could okay. shoot one of each. One of each. Or two doles if we wanted to use our either sex tape, which hmm. for the price, I wasn't doing that. I was holding out for a buck. Yeah. How, how's that work with, uh, like, say, if it's a lottery, yep. um, you have a group of, like, say, five people want to go, only one person gets a tag. Nope. You can apply as a group. So you okay. can apply as a group. So either you all draw or none of you do. Really? Ah, and and okay. uh, I believe we, I, if I remember right, that's how we did it. One or none. Like, you know, or all or none. Yeah, because so, there's no point of one person going out, bringing five guys out there and only one exactly. person. So, I mean, it, you'd still do it. Yeah, but you got to create a group as... number. It's, again, it's, it's a doable process. So, you can apply. If you and two buddies want to do it, apply as a group and nobody's going to get left behind. So oh, That's good information because that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, well, yeah, if you got a group of five guys and only one or two people draw a tag. Right. What's the chances the other guys that didn't get draw a tag, are they going to want to even go? Exactly. Exactly. So we're on day four or five of this hunt. Been driving a lot of gravel roads, having fun. Got a couple animals. We're going home with meat. We're pumped. I really wanted a buck, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we look at the map and we're like, hey, in, th- in this area, we've seen we our main area. We basically drive the same twenty nine miles of road every day, hoping that the animals because you'd see them on private. Like another quick side tangent: get Onyx Maps or yep. Go Hunt app, yep, or a GPS with the Onyx chip. I do not know how you'd ever hunt out west effectively without those items. You BLM sends you the map, but unless you are a master compass runner, you will not know where you're at on that map on these roads. Because like, you'll drive 12 miles and then come to a, a, a section of public land, and there's there's fences that run through the middle of it. It's not marked out like around here where you see a field edge and you're like, oh yeah, that that's that guy's 40 acres. Like it is. You do any research, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. I don't know how you'd ever know where you're at, other than maybe a few key ones that have a river on the side, so a landmark that's obvious. But the majority of the stuff looks just like every other part of the land, and you don't want to trespass out there. Some of them farmers aren't a big no. fan of that. So, well, you have everybody and their mother going out there yeah. hunting. You don't want just around here. You don't yep. want people on your land. For twenty five bucks, you can buy the Onyx app for that state, or yep. for a hundred bucks, you can. It's every state yep. for a year subscription. It's worth every penny. Anyone that deer hunts in Minnesota, get it. Get it. Because it, you, can, worth you can do your tracking on there for uh, when you shoot a deer. Yep. So with that in mind, one day we're like, we've seen all this country. Let's try something different. Second to last day of our hunting. And we just started going way off our grid and finding little sections of public land that had roads that went by close. And we're driving them and driving them. And like, you're going down like cattle path roads, right? Like, oh, there's no, no signs on here. We're just going to take it. We come over this hill. And just picture a, a square mile of hunting land, and we're getting into weird country that's more like pasture, like it's flat. There's not the same terrain like the coolies in, in the north part of our area. We come over this hill, and we see two antelopes way out in the middle of, of this area. And uh, I stopped the truck. I'm like, holy crap, they're both bucks. And they're probably about a 1,000 yards away, something like that. And they don't see us. Normally, they're pretty spooky. They don't see us. And I tell my mom, I was like, grab your gun. Let's go. She goes, they're bucks. You want your buck. You grab your gun. I was like, we're both grabbing our guns and we're going to make a move. And like, for all <laughs> intents and purpose, this was not a good, it did not look like a good stock. We're coming down from up above with no cover, right? And they're just down there feeding at a thousand yards. I was like, if we drive any closer, they're going to, they're going to spook. So we're just going to make a move. She grabs her gear. I grab mine. We just start walking down the hill. And as we're getting down this hill, I'm like, man, another 200 yards and there's a knoll. We'll be, we'll be safe. We'll probably get within 300 yards. So we go down that knoll. We're walking, walking. We come up over the we come up over the hill, and we're like, "Where are they? Keep walking, keep walking." I was like, "Okay, here's the deal. There's little cactus everywhere." I was like, "We're not going to be crawling." And 
certainly with my mom, we're not crawling anywhere. So I was like, mom, we're going to just poke up over here. And, and they'll give you a moment to make a move. I said, they're probably going to be as far away as up to 300 yards. We're, we, we can make that shot. So leading up to this hunt, I made sure mom was shooting at 200 or more yards all, you know, multiple times. 243, she's a North Minnesota hunter. 100 yards is the farthest shot she'd ever <laughs> taken, right? So we practiced a lot. And she was pretty good at it, right? At 200 yards. I knew her gun at 300 yards would maybe have one or two inches of drop. Boom, bada, bing. We pop up over this knoll, right? And here's the two bucks. And she goes, you shoot first. I didn't even argue. I was like, yeah, I want my buck. So <laughs> Don't I mind if up, I do. <laughs> I, I range it. My, my buck was at 250 yards. I shoot. And he, and he takes off running, but he's hurting bad. I follow up with a second shot. He drops. Um, I'm, I'm so pumped. I got my buck. He's dead to rights, right? It was a, it was a relatively long shot. I look over her, her buck had ran out a little farther and I take my GPS or my uh, range finder and I'm clicking, clicking. She's on it. And she's like, how far, how far? And I click, click. And I'm like, it's 300 yards. So I tell her, cause I knew how her gun was zeroed in at yep. 200. I said, hold right on it. I didn't tell her the r- range cause it would have freaked her out. I said, hold right on it. Mental game Hold right on. there. This is probably one of the proudest moments I've ever had. I, I literally get emotional. She pulls up, and she's standing there with shooting sticks, standing. She's not on a bench. She's not prone. She's standing there, 55-year-old woman that's been dreaming about this hunt her whole life. She squeezes that trigger, and the freaking thing drops in its tracks. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's At awesome. that time, it was oh. the first animal she had ever dropped in its tracks, which is like, like instantly, is- she's just bawling in excitement <laughs> right and we just doubled up on two wyoming buck uh antelope uh you know after a thousand yard stock that is you know like never would have happened had she not said we either need to do it or stop talking about no it sh- so that was a dream hunt i got mine they they weren't giants they weren't monsters but i put mine on the wall because it's a trophy of a lifetime with the whole experience of the hunt yeah. we did a european of hers and uh it was just fantastic. We we got we got pictures. I should give you one to post. Yeah. The two of us with our bucks, and in the background are snow capped mountains. Yeah. In Buffalo, Wyoming. Like, how do you, how do you beat that? Y- no, you don't. No, you don't. So, all I'm getting at is, do some work. Go out there and try it. If we never got the bucks, it was already already a fantastic hunt. But it, it all came together, and it's just the best hunt of my lifetime. So that's a, that is something that that story you'll never forget. Yeah. Even if you get like Alzheimer's ten years, from yeah, now, yeah, you'll, you'll still remember that, that, that still be there. one. It's the best, man. It's that the one best. big trip. So start doing your digging now, because come fall you're gonna wish you had. And you can buy a tag. The mule deer tag, if I get drawn, is like three hundred and eighty bucks. It's not cheap, but it's just money. <laughs> the more i think about going out west hunting like that my dream trip would actually be going in um find a place there's you have to find somebody to probably guide you but yep to do like a, a horseback trip yes you know camp yes. on you know going on horseback camp out there spend three four days yep you know kind of an old wild west type uh hunt yep i think that would just be the time to let you know a oh, great time it'd, it'd be, be fantastic yeah. the guides want you to kill high percentage out there and they usually give you an experience. A little bit of homework on guides. Here's the other thing. You think you like somebody, you call them, you say, hey, thinking about coming out west, I live in Minnesota, what do I need to do? They know their state, they know their laws, all they do is take out-of-state hunters. They'll say, okay, by a preference point this day, you'll probably need two to draw. So we're looking at two years out, or yep. we can get you out this year over-the-counter guaranteed. Apply for this area, this type of tag, boom. When you get drawn, call me. Here's the, like, 
they know what you're going to yeah. need. So you tell them where you're coming from, they'll answer your questions yeah, right away. They want you out there. They want you out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've done some research, depending archery or gun and what season and stuff. I would say in Colorado or Wyoming, you could go on a, a fully guided elk, elk hunt, for instance, for five grand. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of money. But if you know you're not the guy that's going to be able to go out there every year or it's, you know, two or three years out and you just want to give your best go at it, start saving, come up with that money, and you won't regret it. Well, and that's another thing. When you go out there and you're doing these hunts, you don't want to be that guy that's holding people back. Right. You have to really physically be in shape. Yeah. You need to go do some run, hiking. Run, run hills, hike in northern Minnesota, anywhere. Because you're you're going a long ways in some tough terrain. You are, but I I, I really want to drive this home too. If you're going out on a do it yourself, yep. Do not let eh, I'm a little out of shape stop you, because the the antelope hunting or the, the mule deer I'm going to be doing, I could go in five miles, or I could just walk over the next hill and make it happen. Yep. You're not going to shoot them from home, and you're not going to know what you made out of till you try it. Don't go, don't go out there planning a ten mile deep trip, and that's the only way you want to go out there. Go out there and do an easy way to do it and you'll still have a blast yeah, yeah it sounds like you kind of have to adapt to it a little bit adapt. like you yep. get out there you get in sometimes you get into a higher elevation you get thinner oh, yeah. air I, i'm not going to be able to make it that 10 mile trip like right. i wanted to so let's make it work let's yes. figure out a way and and do it yep well, and, even if you're there a day or two beforehand yep get a little altitude what is it altitude sickness or whatever get, yeah get, get acclimated for acclimated, a day or two. Yeah. Acclimated, it's really nice to do what, it take it easy that first day or two right because i mean even like Buffalo, Wyoming, you're, I forget how many thousands of feet above sea level. It doesn't feel like you are because you're not in a mountain, but you are. And uh, like our does that we shot, we had to walk, you know, a couple hundred yards down this coulee by this little pond and drag it out. You've, dude, I could see the truck from where I, where I gutted <laughs> my doe, right? But the terrain you walked through, so fun. Like you felt like you earned that animal just, even though it was technically road hunting, the style we did. Yeah. It was so freaking fun. One thing I will say, do not, like, do not lag on your practicing. Know your, know your gun. Shoot well, sight it in. Don't do the deer opener, drink beer kind of guy thing where you mm-hmm. maybe shoot it the weekend before three rounds and then you don't want to spend more money on shells. Like, sight it in, be good at it. Because we did have a, a poor shot on one of the does and we saw right where she ran, ran and we got her. I could not find a speck of blood on that sagebrush. Mm. Couldn't find blood, and that's coming a lot from him. The guy that gets down on his hands dude, and knees. Dude. Yeah, I've heard I've heard stories yeah, about that. Yeah, it 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 is not easy tracking. Most scenarios, you'll see the animal run a long ways, and you probably see him drop. But do not let it come down to to you making a poor shot because it it's going to be painful if you don't get that animal. So, yeah, I, that now I definitely want to go back out there. Just go, guys! Like go scout, go camp out there, do something because it is not many people do it. Nobody has ever regretted doing it. It's intimidating, but just doing the work enough to make a try of it, you're going to be proud of yourself, and it's going to be exciting. So, Well, I think that about does it here today. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to say, anybody, if you're cooped up in your house, it's starting to get nice out, shoot your bow, do some hiking, take the dogs out, do anything. It's been a long, well, not really a long winter, but I mean, I'm It, it was a rough last few weeks yeah, with that cold it, snap here. So Get outside, get active hit the gym, go for a run, do anything to get ready and start looking forward to what you're going to do this fall. Yep. Things that you're going to do different, 
areas you want to hunt, try new gear, do research on all that stuff. You can always reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram if you have any questions on even this this topic about hunting out west. Yeah. I can I I don't know a whole lot about it, but I can talk to Seth and he can email you guys back. Yeah, email me. Uh I sent out that my put out my phone number earlier about the DU stuff. If you got a quick question about out west, send me a text or give me a call. Oh, by the way, if you do give me a call and I don't answer, leave a voicemail because I've been getting nothing but car warranty phone calls <laughs> and I'm so sick of answering them. So I might be letting unknown numbers go to voicemail. Leave me a voicemail. I'll, I'll call you back. So, so right. if you call them the first time, yeah, try to offer them some uh, warranty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or if there's any listeners out West and we may have forgot some things, uh, preference points, applications when, you know, all this fine-tuning things right. that we don't know in Minnesota. Oh, r- real quick. Yeah. Uh, Max sent me that link to that uh, Hunt Insider. What was that called? Go oh, it's GoHunt.com. GoHunt.com. Okay. Yeah. it's There's a lot. Like, I've never found that website before, but after glancing through it, go if you want to hunt out west, go, start yeah. there. That place is awesome. They've got so many fun articles. There's a guy named Randy Newberg. He's got a bunch of YouTube He's videos. He's from Minnesota. Oh, I didn't know he's from Minnesota. He, I knew he lived in Montana. He but- grew up in Minnesota. And then moved out there. Right. And yeah, like he, 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 oh my gosh. Lots of stuff. There's a subscription base to it too, to get into a lot of the detail and tools. And I didn't even look at the price of that yet. It's but it's like a hundred it's like a hundred bucks or something for the year, but it has absolutely everything, everything. you need to hunt out west. And the Every, how I yeah. found it was just looking up on YouTube, listening, because they go through there's a couple different guys that go through if you're gonna hunt mule deer in Colorado or Mont, they'll just say in Montana. He'll go through your application needs to be in this yep. time. Your preference points here. If you want to hunt here, they have a map of everything where to draw different outfitters. Yes. It is unreal what they have on this yep. website, and plus they have a bunch of cool gear too. Right, that's the thing. You go to any of these game and fish websites too. So like the Wyoming, you click on a zone. The way the websites build up, you just say, "Oh, I want to hunt muleys," and then it opens the map. You click on it, and it'll say, "Oh, this tag's available in this area." For this season, like, yeah. Once you start to understand it, it's really doable. Start trying. Anything else? No, I think we covered everything we wanted to today. Are you awake? Yeah, we're awake now. <laughs> I'm, I got a couple cups down. I think I got to hit the can here. <laughs> I got to wrap it up. All right. Well, uh, I'm Mac. I'm Seth. I'm Tim. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Border Outdoors podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Links are provided at borderoutdoors.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. Tell your friends, and we'll see you at the border.